thankfully we've raised some money through a lot of our huge network of well-placed friends in the industry and a lot of angels. Uh, we're in 500 startups as well. We went through that program. You know, we're raising now more and more uh, to finish off our, you know, angel round. We have raising more money to finish building the product for the SaaS side of the equation. We built the reseller side. So, but, you know, we're on our way. You know, this is a problem that's worth solving. Hello and welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast. On this show, we bring you interviews with leading executives at today's rapidly growing B2B tech companies. We dissect the stories, strategies, and journey of CEOs, COOs, CMOs, and more as they share their professional journey. Tune in each week for new episodes from today's leaders. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B tech companies build and run revenue-generating podcasts. We set you up with weekly interviews with your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up and have engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Learn more about launching your podcast at contentallies.com. This episode is brought to you by Ad One Zero, where we do lead to close sales execution for B2B services companies with a technology flair. If you're looking to scale your company from six figures to seven figures of revenue, talk to Ad One Zero. Hey there, Sunir, and welcome to the show. Super excited to have you on here today. And uh, for everyone in the audience who doesn't know who you are, what it is you do, can you give us the quick 60-second overview of uh, what do you do, what is your business is today, and uh, just give us that quick overview of yourself. Well, uh, nice to meet, be here. Thank you, Jake, for inviting me on. Well, I would say I love SaaS partnerships perhaps too much. So I am the CEO of AppBind, and we're bringing uh, SaaS into the massive $3 billion reseller market. And I'm also president of the Cloud Software Association, which is a network of over 3,500 SaaS partnership leaders. Um, and basically, I've spent the last 12 years trying to build the market for distribution for cloud software, and I really get a kick out of it. So thanks for having me here. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so super excited to dive into that. Um, and so I want to maybe start off with um, AppBind, what you're doing there. We'll dive then into Cloud Software Association and kind of, again, be very curious to hear about your passions around this. And then I want to dive into that that backstory as well, because you've got a very interesting backstory, some really cool companies you've been with and everything to get here. But um, yeah, can you maybe tell us a bit more about AppBind and uh, what is AppBind and, and what does that look like or where's that company at for you today? So AppBind has, is a solution to the problem that I've felt for a decade or more is that it's supposed to be really easy to, if you're a partner who loves a product, you know, to buy it and then implement it for your customer. Like your plumber would buy their own gaskets and pipes and solder, would never get a customer to go buy that stuff from the hardware store themselves. And that's how it used to be with licensed software. We just buy boxes of software, but with subscriptions, it doesn't work, which I can get into. So AppBind uh, solves that problem though. It makes it really easy. So you as uh, say a marketing agency, you said you're a marketing agency, can buy all these ads and software tools, whatever you need to complete the client project without taking any of the financial risk yourself, not owning the data, but do it, like, purchasing and managing these accounts on behalf of your clients, but they own it and they control it, control it ultimately. And for the SaaS companies, of course, they like this because they want to support more partners like yourselves and open up this channel of service partners and solution partners around you. And that's the problem we're trying to solve. 
That's awesome. So to understand, so would that be basically be like your tool if I'm the a marketing agency and um, I want to like buy on behalf of my client instead of you know you know getting them to send me their credit card or me charging it myself. It basically, it's kind of a virtual card that you guys have, and then your client enters their billing information on their side. Is exactly, that correct? Exactly. You got it. You got it. You never want to get stuck in the customer's subscriptions. I mean, mm-hmm. and so instead of using your own email address and your own credit card, we create a virtual credit card and a shared email address so that it's always done uh, in the client's name and not in your own bookkeeping, your own credit card, your own charges, and everything's passed through to the customer and ultimately makes it easy to transfer everything to the customer's hands because it's shared. So you just transfer the email and credit card directly to the customer and they have their subscriptions at the end of the project. Simple, That's awesome. Simple. Super, super cool thing that I know. Like, I, I feel like when people just hear this, you're like, that is amazing, especially so many agencies and stuff that I'm in that world where that's a constant pain point and frustration and figuring that out. So it's, it's a really interesting what you guys solve there. And I'm curious, so like how old is this company and where are you guys at today in terms of like how many customers or people you have signed up using it? Well, we started, uh, we started in 2018 uh, coding. It's quite a difficult challenge to build a platform like this. Uh, and in 2020, uh, in January, we started selling actively. Uh, excellent time to start a new company uh, in 2020. I don't know. Did anything happen to you? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. There was no, no, no chaos in 2020 at all. So none at all. Uh, but actually we grew, we've been growing 16% month over month for fairly consistently until December when things went off the rails and we grew 431%. Uh, I think, you know, <laughs> I don't, we, well, we found something that works, uh, our, our marketing agencies and uh, all these RPA companies, people doing automation, like digital transformation. This is the year for it. And, you know, if I, I think after November, people finally, you know, felt relaxed and like, well, everything's flooding in now. So we're growing pretty quickly. Uh, and so, you know, you know, but I've been working on this problem for, like I said, 10 years since I was at actually at FreshBooks um, and I just couldn't solve it. So when I was at a, so FreshBooks, if you don't know, it is an invoicing, uh, is invoicing for creator web agencies, freelancers, primarily IT consultants, you know, anyone working online usually. Uh, and uh, I started the marketing team there in 2007. And, you know, the first year or so, we literally flew like to 20 cities in the United States. We took customers out for dinner. We rented an RV, drove from Florida to Austin. Uh, that was a that was a trip. Uh, and we met. I met. I've I've personally met with hundreds of agencies on that trip. And over my time, there are thousands. But then I I'm gravitating towards partnerships. Like this is really what I really excites me is partnerships. So I took over the partnerships portfolio, and it blew my mind. Uh, I mean, these partners were were other agencies or consultants, and I'd known that it was hard. The cloud, the subscription era was harder for them. Like there's been a lot of drops in service revenue for agencies. It's been a lot harder to be successful. You would think in an age of, of advertising, it would be a lot easier. But a lot of agencies are just like holding on to like a treadmill, client project to client project. I was like, what's going on? And so, you know, they would call me up and it's supposed to be the easiest sale you ever had when a partner says, hey, I love your product. How do I get it for my customers? Yeah, but it was a hard sale because the subscriptions made it impossible. Like the data has to belong to the customer. So how do you sign up for an account that you can manage, right? But the customer owns and controls. How do you pay for it? I mean, you certainly don't want to put it on your card because every month it's price changes. Like the any commissions a vendor pays you is going to you know be overwhelmed by your cost of bookkeeping. And it was like a nightmare. And of course, subscriptions renew, but clients don't. 
to what happens at the end of the project. If you lose track, which happens to everybody, 30, 60, 90 days later, ding, 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 ding. Oh no. And my favorite, the annual renewals, like seven months later, Merry Christmas, thousand dollars. Like, oh, I haven't talked to Steve in months. I'm never gonna get that money back from the client. Yep. That actually happened to me three times uh, before I, uh, when I was consulting before, <laughs> you know, I learned my lesson. Uh, and so people, they avoid it, right? And they end up in the situation where, uh, you know, they give up, uh, give up managing the, the software. Uh, and what happens is you lose the service revenue. And I was hearing that from my partners, but I really felt it myself just before AppBind was consulting. I was CMO at Olark live chat. I had my third kid. I decided, you know, I'm Canadian, they're American. I decided I want a year more flexibility. I left, I started consulting. Uh, and it was a different experience for me this time because I had just been an executive. So I was working with clients who were also entrepreneurs. I was more able to relate to them. Uh, and I had this, though I had this one experience. <laughs> it was wild. It's absolutely true. I feel so ashamed telling the story. It hurts. But it was, <laughs> That's it was the a, best kind of story. <laughs> It's, I tell us all the time because it's so painful, but it's amazing. So it was a, he was a fashion retailer in the UK and he was standing up in six weeks. He was a go-getter, right? He was building the fashion line. He was building a bricks and mortar store and he's building an online website all at the same time to launch this thing. You know, he was really in it to win it. And I was a subcontractor doing the analytics consulting. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't high priority, but I, I didn't, I needed like six different products, you know, like Amplitude and Branch and Talk Desk and all these things. Uh, but I didn't want to buy them because, you know, why would you? You're an agency. I don't want this. I don't want to pay for his his subscriptions and have his data in my control. I didn't want it. So I did the logical things. I asked him to sign up for everything. So every week would go by on Monday on the project kickoff. I need you to sign up for these six things. Six weeks go by. Nothing happens. 72 hours from launch, he says to me, Sunir, why is nothing done? And I said, because, you know, because I'm a dork. It's like, well, because you didn't sign up for anything, which is a terrible way to manage a client. But anyway putting on him. So he's a go-getter. He's like, why don't, okay, let's just get me on a, get on a video call. Show me what to do. So I do that. And I realized while I was doing this, it was like, I was treating him like a child, put your email address in here, put your password in here, put your credit card in here. Now invite me here. I could just see him getting more and more infuriated. Uh, I mean, legitimately, I mean, I would get infuriated. You know, he, by the way, he wasn't mean, but he was an entrepreneur. So he just let me, he just let me have it it's direct. And I appreciate, I had a good relationship with him. Uh, but this was a definitely a tense moment. And so he said to me, Sunir, listen, I'm getting really frustrated with you. I don't understand what half of this stuff is. My plumber does not make me buy my own pipes. I don't know why you're making me do this. I expected you to take care of this for me. Working with you has been 10 times harder than not working with you. I'm done. All those are legitimate points. I didn't get all the technologies I needed to complete that project. I had to buy a couple because I needed to deliver, right? I had deliverables. Mm -hmm. So I put some on my credit card. I had to destroy that credit card so I didn't get charged in the future. <laughs> uh, good times. Uh, and then, but he was right. I had, I had wasted his time and wasted my own time chasing him. I slowed down the project. I, I created risk. I confused him because he didn't know what I mean. Your plumber would never ask you to buy a gasket. You go to, buy, go try, go to the hardware store and buy a gasket. Good luck. There are there are a hundred different kinds of gaskets, and you're gonna get the wrong one if you try buying it mm -hmm. yourself. Like this is technical stuff that you're supposed to hire your expert to deal with. And but he was he was literally yelling at me to tell me, you know, uh, what I should be doing. He wanted me to take care of him, take care of it for him, manage the technology. And if I had done that, I would have got these managed service retainers, which are the lucrative way, uh, an easy way to scale 
know, any kind of like a services practice, any agency, whether you are a marketing agency or IT consultant or RPA consultant, automation consultant or accountant, you want to build more and more services into the, you know, those are long-term sticky retainers. And it's not that you're selling technology, but you need that technology as leverage to deliver that high performance, reliable result, to bring the project under control and do it in a way that doesn't eat up a lot of time because that's the only resource that you have is time as a service company. And so you want to use the least amount of time most value. But I had preemptively said no to him. And going through that experience, it finally clicked in my mind what all my all the customers at FreshBooks I've been talking to over these years, why they were struggling. Been they were telling me same, the same story. All my partners there were telling me, you know, why it was so hard. It's like, oh, I get it now. You know, I am so scared of managing these subscriptions on my own bill because it's a lot of risk for me. I mean, I, I can't handle the risk. You know, like we're low margin businesses. Service companies can't handle risk like that. You know, so I, I, I preemptively said no to the customer, which you think about it, it's not a good way to build a business. What I needed to do have have a way to say, yes, I will take care of it for you, like a good contractor. And you know, at the same time, I was renovating my house and I had my basement renovated. And my general contractor would just say, yes, I'll take care of it for you. Yes, I'll take care of it for you. I was like, oh, right. Because he doesn't care. Like you can just buy it and expense it. It was no problem. Yeah. And at the time, I'd heard about these virtual credit cards. And I was like, okay, I got it. I understand what to do. And that's when I realized I knew what to do. I had to build AppBind because it actually answers, makes this problem go away, right? And I would have been free to sign up for all six products. I would have de delivered all this stuff to my client. He would have been happy. I would have been happy. Of course, I wouldn't have AppBind. Uh, I would be a consultant right now. So maybe <laughs> the best. But uh, yeah, you know yeah. that is that is like my uh, my superhero origin story. Not as good as a radioactive spider, but I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super interesting though, and it's how you guys kind of again discovered your own problem and everything, and and went out to solve it. And I'm curious. So, is this something that you've built on your own? Do you have a team? Um, is this kind of like, uh, or have you guys raised capital or bootstrapped this, or what does kind of the journey for AppBind look like? No, I definitely did not build it on my own. So I have a co-founder who's awesome. His name is Joseph Dennis, and he's a serial entrepreneur. He used to be at Accenture before it was called Accenture. It was Anderson. He was there. Uh, and then he left and he and he started three companies and sold them in a row. Like he, he's like a system integrator, like superstar. So he, he just solves problems at one at a time, builds a company and sold it. And, you know, the last company that he sold was a company, a company called It Does It, which was kind of like Zapier, if you know Zapier, mm -hmm. which is very directly comparable to Zapier. Uh, and I met him while I was at FreshBooks. I was running partnerships because he'd integrated with FreshBooks. And through the trade association I run, which is a cloud software association I mentioned, it's all the partnership people. So we would all hang out, we'd have a conference. Uh, I'd see him all the time. And then actually funnily enough, he met the team at Intuit where he eventually sold uh, the company to that team at my own conference. And after that, I think he thought I had the, the, the golden touch. So he's been on me and after me to start a company ever since then, especially since I swear to God, I, have the, I give the same keynote every year the reseller channel, the reseller channel, I say to my partnership friends, people are finally like, Sineo, we've heard it before. Are you going to solve it or not? And so you find it just it's like, Sineo, you, you have to stop complaining about it. You got to do something. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I blame him. That's basically my story. And then <laughs> and we have one other engineer. Uh, it's really just the three of us. Um, and we got pretty far along the way. And, you know, thankfully, we've raised some money through a lot of our huge network of well-placed friends in the industry and a lot of angels. Uh, we're in 500 startups as well. We went through that program. Uh, you know, we're raising now more and more uh, 
to finish off our, you know, angel round. We have raising more money to finish building the product for the SaaS side of the equation. We built the reseller side. So, but you know, we're on our way, you know, this is a problem that's worth solving. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And yeah, I love it. And so I guess what is kind of the journey look like for you with this or where are you wanting to kind of take app bind? It sounds like you guys this past year has really been launched and kind of that early traction, but you know, what does 2021 have in store for you guys or where are you going with this? I love these questions are like the basic questions uh, as if we did not just live through a worldwide pandemic and everyone's yeah. plans weren't <laughs> All the plans out the window. <laughs> What's my plan for 2021? Well, I'm getting a COVID test tonight. So that's, oh, that's nice. Idea. That's a good plan. Yeah. Good start. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, if I, if <laughs> um, the, 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 there is, there is reality. So uh, the plan is very simple. Um, we got to the point where the product uh, is well adopted by the in the marketing agencies of the world like you you are uh, and we we were growing 16% month over month uh consistently for a year and change uh and then december the, you know things went you know off the off <laughs> off we went we grew uh 431% in december which was like mind boggling i couldn't even believe it um but was that just like some enterprise accounts you got or still a bunch of small accounts? Well, there was one very, there was one account that was like a, a lot of that. Uh, but actually, we, we grew accounts by 25% all through one marketing campaign um, through... I run this cocktail party called Agency Connect Cocktails around mm-hmm. uh, Inbound, HubSpot's Inbound Conference. Mm-hmm. I guess they don't like calling it HubSpot's Inbound Conference, but Inbound, which is associated yeah. somehow with HubSpot. Um, uh, and I got to catch up with some of my you know, HubSpot inbound marketing agency friends and they all have this problem. So that went really well for us. Uh, I mean, a little bit of marketing goes a long way, but you know, the, um, you know, the people on our system keep adding more and more subscriptions. Cause once I mean, talking, you know, last year, 2019, so I guess two years ago, 2019, mm-hmm. we had the wrong message. We had the, our message for agencies. Cause I came from the software side is buy, buy and sell more software. And none of the agencies like that. They all, I got, I got literally got yelled at. I was at Dreamforce. I had a cocktail party at Dreamforce and I cornered two agencies. Cause I, I was like, what was wrong with my message? I cornered, I wouldn't let them leave. I was, I was like, you know, if, if this was, <laughs> fortunately, this was a professional conversation because otherwise I would have got bounced out of my own party. I was like, tell me what's wrong with my pitch. <laughs> let me go. Um, and he was like, finally, senior, we don't want to be in the middle of billing. We don't sell technology. We don't sell stuff. I don't care about the vendors. They don't matter to me. They were yelling at me. I was like, it finally, of course, of course you don't care. Like the plumber doesn't sell gaskets, right? You know, and even when I was a consultant, I wouldn't sell whatever I was selling. I was selling, honestly, clients are only calling you because they're freaking out. They're anxious. You're selling calming control. You're selling a solution, perhaps technical expertise, the technology is only a means to an end. There's never the leading story really for mm-hmm. solutions consultant, usually, I mean, maybe in 5% of the cases. Really, it's about service, solutions, client management, and uh, the message is wrong. But like by the end of, uh, you know, last year, you know, we had, you know, we had really figured out what was going on in agency land. And what we found was, it wasn't that they were selling technology, but technology is a lever. It gives you gives you power as a service company. You know, in, in some senses, you are a technology company. You may not be coding at all, but you're building a system. 
and that system is your is is, is software in part, but also your processes as, as a company, labor like your service processes, labor processes, and that is a system that brings things under control, and the technology is a good part of that. And giving giving yourself permission to bring in more different tools, software products, whatever it needs to call, solve problems for customers expands the level of things you can sell to the client, the number of things you can bring under control, right? And what we started seeing is a lot of the the agencies on AppBind were starting to bring in more and more stuff that they would otherwise have said no to because it'd be one more thing to, you know, track bookkeeping wise, track from like, get, do I need a reseller account, which is a nightmare, you know, um, to manage. With AppBind, everything's like as complicated as using like LastPass or OnePassword. It's the same level of complexity. Easy, you just sign up and you're done, right? I was like, wow, like that, to see that happen, because uh, I knew that in theory that, because that's how that, how that would be the case. I started off as a software developer when I was 18 in a, in a like a licensed shop, like a Microsoft shop. And it was like that. You would just buy hardware and Windows license and SDKs and then implement a solution and then sell it to the customer. You know, that's how it's supposed to be. Like your contractor would buy drywall and pipes and tacks and carpet. You know, it's like to see that starting to happen now on, with people on, on AppBind, uh, was great because that means we were not wrong. We were right, right? Um, so like that's kind of, you know, so we, we that's now growing. And so now we're pivoting to the to the software side of that equation. And, and you know, I have them, I know them all through the trade association. So now it's just meeting their demand. And, and believe me, they all think software companies that you're there to sell their software. And so there's also a learning curve with them. It's like, you don't treat your partners like they're selling your software. They don't care treat them like they're serving customers and then you are you are part of their solution to the customers make it easy for your partners and that's kind of how the whole system is oriented yeah and and so if i understand correctly from like what i'm seeing on the site here the billing model or the revenue model is quite simple basically it's one percent of the the fees that you run through the system so if i sign up for you know a hundred dollar subscription i'm paying you guys a like app bind a dollar to kind of just flow that through the system and everything. And so, like, as you said, it's for you, it's not just more customers, but if a customer further adopts you more and uses you more. So if a, a agency is kind of beta testing you, you might make a little bit, but then it's like, oh, cool, let's roll this out and make this part of our whole process. Now that account's going to just grow with you significantly as they're putting more and more of their clients ads or subscriptions or everything like that through your platform. Is that right? That's right. I mean, that's the whole idea. And, uh, and also, we also get the interchange fees from the credit card once we're at scale. Uh, so between the two of those, we end up with 2%, uh, which is more than enough to keep the company afloat. Uh, we do believe that charging the uh, service company is important because I don't want them to feel like they're the product and we're selling them to somebody else. This is your account, your data, you're in control. We're very much um, your data, your, you should own your own data uh, kind of company. So. Yeah. I'm curious what kind of, um, I guess like, yeah, like logistical, like finance compliance issues. I feel like you guys must have had some interesting challenges around this with, you know, like, yeah, who has the data, the fact that you're kind of billing, like, it, it seems like there's some, a handful of like technical or compliance or like data concern problems here with this kind of thing. Was there, was that kind of a challenge for you guys to overcome? Yeah, the, the the good portion of 2018 we spent looking into this, um, and we ended up with a great partner, uh, Marqueta, uh, M-A-R-Q-E-T-A. Uh, Visa has good has a good investment in them, uh, and they uh, take on have taken a lot of the risk. I mean, we're not a credit card company, 
we are using a credit card company issued a credit card. We're a billing system, really. That's what we are. And there's a credit card element to it that's run by another company. And then uh, we use Douala and Stripe and all these platforms, but doing it in the right way so that everything's secure, the data is owned by the right people. There's no possibility of it being shared with the wrong people. We don't, there's no way that will ever happen. It's always opt-in uh, whenever shared. Uh, that was really important to us because this is, um, not only is that the right, I mean, first it's legally required. Uh, you know, you're in Germany and the EU has set the standard for this. Uh, Canada was earlier the EU with our PIPEDA Act as well. The US has no laws at the moment, but they probably will in the next five years. Uh, I mean, even the California law is not even up to snuff yet, but they probably will in the next five years. So everything about AppWine is about organizing that in the right way so that you're not worrying about it four years from now. Like, you know. Uh, but beyond that, you know, it, it, everything, it's, it's that feeling of trust you're selling to the clients mm -hmm. and everything about AppWine is about making your client, like the end customer feel calm, not freaking out, feeling like they're in control of their business. And then working with that service partner has been, you know, a blessing, you know, they're, they're the person who's bringing my business under control. They're, all the risks are gone. Everything's transparent. Everything's under control. Ownership in the right place. I feel good with this partner, right? And if you selling that feeling, that professional feeling, uh, you know, that's the secret of keeping a client for like two years, three years. So that's the secret between behind referrals, right? And, and everything about AppBuying is about giving not only like that feeling, but that substantive, that substantively like trust to the end customer that this is the way to go. And, you know, everyone should align around the customer, right? And the customer needs, that's what our view. And that's how we built it. Nice. Love that. So I want to shift also a bit over to the Cloud Software Association and what you're doing there as well. And so it sounds like you've been involved in this for, for quite a few years. It's almost since uh, 2009, it looks like. And so um, did you start this or take this over or what does it look like? Because you sounds like you've been a part of this for quite a period of time. I had hair back then. So I blame the Cloud Software Association. <laughs> <laughs> I did that once on our 10-year anniversary. I found an old picture of me from like day one. And I was like, look, you did this to me. <laughs> oh, so the Cloud Software Association, uh, we are the network of SaaS partnership leaders. And, you know, we all have the same needs. Uh, we all need to know each other. We all need to know what's going on with each other because we're dealing, you know, it's a lot of gossip because, you know, the biggest risk on any deal is the other person uh, level of maturity, honestly. And your own maturity is the second biggest risk. And so a lot of what comes down to this game called partnership poker, where people can't trust the other person. So they, they get tight and they start behaving weird and they don't become open themselves up. Uh, and a lot of what the CSA has really been about is just establishing those relationships and making people feel comfortable to have more direct conversations and also build an instant network for everybody. And there's lots, lots of very specific partnership skills you can only learn from other partnership people because you're often the only partnership person. So your VP marketing or sales or CEO won't know how to talk to you about channel or PRMs or integration strategy. But beyond that, drinking. So that's, that's really a really important part of the trade association. And so the reason why we started this thing, honestly, in 2009 was at South by Southwest and uh, people want to know, you know, every year at South by Southwest back in those days, people would try to work together to figure out co-marketing stunts and parties and all this kind of stuff. And we started putting each other this party, uh, you know, in 2008, FreshBooks did the first one. 
people liked it. They said, well, what you're going to do in 2009, we actually found, uh, we'd already started our partnership program or integration program. And we found that between FreshBooks, MailChimp, BatchBook, Shoebox, and, and Outright, we had all integrated with each other. So we thought that was an interesting story. Uh, and we went out with that. Uh, but then we had this party and this cocktail party grew and grew and grew at South by Southwest until one year the bar bill got to like $32,000. And I was like, I'm not expensing this anymore. We're going to incorporate. <laughs> That's a lot to put on your annex. Um, and then I asked people, I asked people at the party, you know, cause this is South by Southwest. Uh, was a lot of parties. You want to know what the best parties were for next year. So you plan ahead. So I said, what's the best party you went to this year? They did every year, you know, and they, everyone started saying, well, your party senior was the best party. And I was like, oh, it's very flattering. Uh, no, it's like, well, we mean it. Cause it was the only party where, you know, people in our role, I mean, we're partnership people. This is back in like 2011 partnership. People were very rare and like finding each other at a conference was like a big deal. Like we were the only, this is the only place you could meet. They could meet their counterparts. And then, and then, you know, you know, you're married or, you know, so you know how it goes. So when they said, you know what we should do, Sunir? I'm like, oh God, what should we do? <laughs> what should you do? <laughs> we should have a conference just for ourselves. We should have a conference just for ourselves. Yes. And you want me to organize that for you? Yes, you, you got it in one. <laughs> Good work, Sunir. Uh, and so we, that's what happened. We organized, uh, honestly, I didn't want to do this because um, <laughs> organizing a conference is a lot of work. But in 2011, we had our first conference and we haven't stopped. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been a place where all of us can hang out and congregate and build their relationships and learn from one another. And, you know, in, in, a, in a job that you think is connected because you're a partnership person, it can be pretty isolating because you're the only one in your company and no one understands you. Like, this is a place where you're like, oh, there are other people like me who has the same challenges who can learn from. And there's other opportunities too. So I don't need to be so scared. Uh, if this thing doesn't work out, because sometimes it doesn't, because there's always something else to do. So I can, I can be more, I can take more risks in my job, which is the secret, you know, to being a good partnership manager is being willing, not being afraid. You have to be willing to be make bets. Uh, and you know, this really opened up people to grow and achieve things, I think. Uh, I'm glad to have been able to contribute to so many uh, people's successes in the past. So yeah. So to understand, if I understand correctly, what you're like, kind of what you're the whole premise of this is that, you know, you've got all these associations for, say, marketers or for you know, even CEOs or stuff like that. But what you're saying, and a lot of this, and I imagine there's a lot of CEOs that are in this, but it's it's really about the a place to have those conversations about those partnerships between different SaaS companies that may want to integrate with each other's platforms or may use each other's platforms to kind of literally almost like code directly into each other's products or integrate there to kind of... I don't say as like a growth channel, but as strategic partnerships. And um, it's interesting because I, I see what you mean. Like a lot of marketing can't really make those decisions, but yet those can often be like some of the biggest um, moves, I think, for a lot of SaaS companies. And so you're, you're essentially creating this association as a place for people to have those conversations. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's you can free to join. I mean, it's cloudsoftwareassociation.com uh, slash join. You can go uh, and join our Slack community. Uh, anytime you want there is a you know if you want if you're alone and you feel like you want need more help like there is a there's actually a paid area where we all hang out together uh to help each other we have like master classes and masterminds that bring in speakers and trainers to help us develop our skills if you also need that uh that's 249 dollars a year which is i think a pretty good deal for having a support network uh to like help you grow as an executive so we have that as well uh, and then we're hopefully we're going to have a conference again 
this year. So um, that would be, you know, in the fall, I guess. Uh, and then every week we have uh, our online conference. I decided not to have a virtual summit because I would never organize a conference I would not attend. And honestly, sorry to anyone who has a virtual summit. I just can't handle them anymore. So every- I, I did one and that was like a full day one. And I was like, this is exhausting. Uh, <laughs> so it's not the same. It's not the same. No, yeah, I'm with you. So we now we're doing them. We, we do them once we do like one a week or two mm-hmm. a week, uh, but they're more like there's, it might be a speaker. Some of them are more round tables, but it's really because it's really about you getting help from somebody. So they're more direct connections uh, to the community so that you can, and we're all at the same level at some level. So then you, you know, you're hearing from someone and you can talk to them and then learn mm-hmm. something so that you can get something more substantive. And so we do that as well. And we're all about, I mean, we're nonprofit. We're all about helping each other. We need something as executives to help each other out. So we built the association. That's what I say. Now we're 3,600 people. It's a monster, but uh, you should join because there's nowhere else to go. I mean, you know, we're it. Yeah. We're here to help you. That's fascinating. I love it. Um, and so I guess um, as we're kind of getting close to our time here, you know, I want to, I guess, just a few kind of questions for you, I guess. One would be, you know, just if you're looking maybe at yourself, um, you know, 10, 12 years ago before you really kind of, I guess, took off in this journey, started off your own ventures and everything like that. Um, you know, what advice would you have for yourself as someone who was kind of, I guess, in these kind of executive roles at, a, at other companies and ready to kind of jump off and do your own thing? Gosh, I don't know. Like, there's a lot to be, I've learned and I'm still learning. First, uh, the most important thing to understand is everyone is freaking out all the time. Uh, I don't think people understand that. They look at this person, they look so confident. Even the CEO, everyone is freaking out because everyone's at the edge of their ability because you're dealing with risk. So the business, like the business is inherently about eating and chewing down and breaking down risk, especially at a startup. Uh, And putting on a good face is important to make people feel calm and for people, make people feel like they can rely on you and be you know, that that's important, but deep down people are all freaking out. Uh, and so if you're freaking out, uh, you're not alone. And the second thing about that is there's no point hiding it. I, I, I get this game of poker that people play, uh, where they try to put on a good front, all that ends up happening. If you've been around long enough and you'll talk to any of these partnership execs have been around for 10 years, we've seen it all. We know that this will, all that means is that it's going to explode sometime, you know, later. And we all know this now, once we start seeing this inability to be honest about yourself emotionally with the other person, we know there's a huge risk sitting there uh, that's just going to come out eventually. And we'll deal with it because we want the money, right? We'll do the deal, but we are also preparing ourselves uh, for the inevitable. Um, it, it, it doesn't, and honestly, the other person, be the person, like I have Gandhi sitting on my wall over here, be the person you want the world to, you want it for yourself. Be a, a compassionate person to other people who are freaking out and just like, well, it's fine. I mean, it's just business. You know, you know, the great thing about this job that we're all in is that there are real stakes. So we're all in a challenge together. And so there's something worth substantive working that we're all working on, but most of us are not working on a thing that if the business failed, people will die. Right. So also the stakes are not that bad. So they're real stakes. So it matters, but not like terrifying stakes. Like you'll be fine. Probably. Uh, we're, we're probably, if we're talking to you, I mean, people listening to this are probably in tech or some kind of online business. We're basically aristocrats in the world. We're basically the rich people. Right. And so how you can't, it's very hard to fail out of this industry and be destitute. Uh, I'm sure it's possible, but it's, I, I bet you don't know anyone 
who's really failed out. And so, you know, be okay, be okay with your fear, uh, allow other people to be afraid around you, be compassionate to them. Uh, don't take it out. Don't make it difficult for them, help them create a ladder for success, you know, and in return, you know, you can't demand it from other people because you don't know how the other people will behave, but you'll find other people who've also seen this will help you in return and they'll give you a letter to success. And really anyone at the higher level, they found just by being open to helping other people, other people have seen that you are mature and they'll come and help you. And then we all help each other. You know, this kind of poker game where you're trying to be tough, like what you see in the movies, it's it's false. Like all you're gonna doing, it's a, it's a house of cards. Don't do that. Yeah, I love that. It there's a few points. I just think you're everyone is freaking out all the time is such a great reminder because uh, it's so true that like all of us in our careers, like we're any of us who are really pushing, like yeah, you're at the edge and you're always you know uh, kind of paranoid and stuff like that. And like you know, it's like I think you said it, it's easy to just kind of just panicked all the time, but realize that pretty much everyone is there trying to figure it out doesn't have it together, scatterbrained. And like, when you realize that everyone's kind of in the same boat together, like that's okay. And then like tied to that, it's hard to fail out of there. It's like, you're right. It's like, we are in tech. It's like, um, I was talking to my accountant today and he, his, his client base is almost all people like similar to myself that are working in tech. And he's like, it's really weird because it's COVID's hit and all of my tech clients had the best year of their lives. And he's like, and he's like, so you see all this stuff on the news of people um, struggling with their businesses. He's like, but I don't know who this is because it's none of my clients. And I was just like, fortunate, you know, like we're in a space that is resilient, that is growing. And like, I think the, I think the, the fear that a lot of people have is like someone else is growing faster than them, but it's like, you're still doing like better than like nine. Your lifetime earnings. Will be <laughs> like, what is life all about? I, I, my holiday message for the cloud software association is on this point. Like one thing you learn eventually, if you're in the industry long enough, yes, yeah, some people will be richer than you. I mean, I knew Toby, uh, you know, from Shopify when he was above the, in, in byword market, I would hang out when he was like literally coding, Rails code, you know, into Shopify and meeting with us at FreshBooks at the same time as CEO. It was crazy times for Shopify. And I look at him, right? But he still plays video games. He's still a human being. He's, mm -hmm. I think Toby's, you know, been one of the more centered CEOs who got through rapid growth. There's people like that, you know, you meet along the way. It's like, oh, I could have been, I could have been. But, you know, some people will be richer, some will be poor. But, like, really, honestly, your life is probably pretty good materially, right? Um, but the, the greatest thing you'll learn if you experience this. And I think a lot of us felt it in 2020 because of the nature of COVID. We got to see a window in other people's real lives. Uh, I mean, you were telling me a little bit before that in the pre-interview about, you know, your time stuck in Montreal. I mean, we're all getting to learn a little bit about each other. Take that with you into, into the future. Like being this a little bit more human, like we're all human beings, right? You don't need to put on the front. It's important to do that because the only thing you keep from one opportunity to the next, it's not your it's not your email address. I mean, senior at freshbooks.com. People really liked that e emailing me when I was senior at freshbooks.com. And when I lost that email address, I had to build a whole bunch of new relationships because I lost the freshbooks.com part. Senior at senior.org, you know, you know, was less popular. Um, actually, truthfully, maybe more popular, but that's a, that's a, <laughs> but like my relationships. Uh, from FreshBooks uh, lasted longer uh, than that. And there was actually a lot of, funny enough, a lot of the people that I had like real professional conflicts with at, at FreshBooks because, you know, we were like competing with each other or whatever, uh, still ended up being good friends of mine. You know, I invited them to keynote our trade association and that was not weird to anybody because I always treated people 
uh, with respect and, and decency. And I, I, I'm really, I mean, I truly genuinely excited to meet people and learn about them and care about them. Even if it doesn't work out, you know, no harm, no, no harm, no foul. And, you know, you know, that 2020, I think hopefully taught us some of that, like all of us, that the people you're working with are just people, right? And they're all going through it too. And if you let yourself express some of your negative feelings and, and, you know, and work and talk to the other person, you, everything might be okay a little bit and we can all help each other out. So hopefully we'll take that lesson. Yes, I love that. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal advice there. Um, well, as we wrap up, where can people go to find out more about you, about AppBind and uh, the Cloud Software Association online? What's the best place to go? Uh, so the Cloud Software Association is cloudsoftwareassociation.com. Uh, you can join, like I said, for free off the homepage and come hang out with us in Slack and ping me and I'll help you there. And then AppBind is appbind.com. And if you have the problem yourself as an agency, uh, you know, get, 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 out of your client subscriptions, get them off your credit card, grow faster, that we can help you with that. And if you're a SaaS company trying to work with service partners, we can make that really easy for you. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on here. Happy New Year. Yeah, thanks a ton for coming on to This was great. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. You can see the show notes and more links from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.